Well, we'd like to uh, welcome everyone from Quakertown to our service uh, over here in Sourton as we become united as one church. Uh, I had a blast with all of you last week. It was an amazing weekend at our Christmas services, our first Christmas services in Quakertown. So I look forward to being back there next week. And a big welcome to all of the Calvary kids, uh, the Calvary Bridge students, the Calvary students, all of you joining us in the auditorium in Quakertown. And a big welcome to all of the Calvary kids and Calvary students and Calvary Bridge students here in Souderton. We're so happy that you're here. So as Charles said, tonight is New Year's Eve. It is the last day of 2017. And I was talking backstage and Andrew, our music director, he said something interesting. He said that we started the year the same way that we're finishing it. This year is unique in that the very first Sunday we gathered together in 2017 was January 1st. And the last Sunday that we gathered together is December 31st. And if you were here on January 1st, you might remember we actually started with the same song that we started today. Just something unique and something interesting to know. As we think back on the year, it's been an amazing year. Like Charles said, last week was surreal. We had almost 10,000 people between Souderton and Quakertown at our Christmas services. That's amazing. And speaking of, of Quakertown and Souderton, speaking of two campuses, uh, we started our Quakertown campus in 2017. We participated in Rise Against Hunger. We had Marshmallow Mayhem, which was an awesome event for our middle school students. In Quakertown, we started for the very first time an early childhood classroom for our bridge families. We had our outdoor baptism. It has been an awesome, awesome year. But there's also, for some of you, I know 2017, you're kind of feeling like, I can't wait for it to be over. It's been a hard year for some of you. For some of you, you've had to say goodbye to some people that you didn't want to say goodbye to. For some people, you've received news that you definitely didn't want to receive. It's been a roller coaster ride, as every year is. And as we stereotypically do on the last Sunday of the year, we're going to look back. We're going to look back at this year. And in order to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a story in the Bible. We're going to take a look at a story in the Bible by, that's about a man named Joshua. Joshua gathers together a whole bunch of people. He gathers together all the people of Israel, and they look back. And what I hope is, is that as we look back with Joshua, we will learn some lessons that we can put together as we look back on 2017. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to be looking at Joshua 24. If you don't have a Bible, there are different ways that you can follow along. You can read on the screens up here. You can take out your phone or your tablet, and you can go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. Both are great apps for reading the Bible. Or if you don't have a Bible, you can use one of the Calvary Bibles. In Quakertown, we have a cart in the back of the room. Uh, it's behind the last row of seats. Uh, so there's Bibles there. If you didn't get one, you can also raise your hand and Usher will bring one to you. Here in Souderton, it's in the back of your seat rack. Uh, and if 
you're in Souderton or in Quakertown, here's the deal. If you don't own a Bible, take that one home. It's our gift to you. It's free. You see, we believe at Calvary that reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life. So if you don't own one, we want you to have one. And if you've never read the Bible, if you're like, I don't even know what to do with this. I mean, what do I do with this? Give us a call. We'd be more than happy to help you. And here's my just a little tip for today. If you've never read it, you're trying to figure out where to read, why don't you start with the book of Mark? All right, so we're going to be looking at Joshua 24. Starting at verse 1. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now some of you, if you grew up in church, uh, you might wonder why I stopped there. Because the next verse is actually one of those church verses, one of those famous verses. It's actually on pillows. It's on picture frames. It's hung on walls. It's carved into little wooden things and put on desks. And it's, and it's a great, important verse. And the reason I stopped there is because we're actually going to cover it next week. Jason is going to be talking about that verse next week. But this week, we're going to be talking about verses 1 to 14. And what is going on in this point is that Joshua has led the people of Israel into the land that God has promised them. What happened before that is that the people of Israel had been slaves in the land of Egypt for years and years. God sends a man named Moses to Egypt, and he delivers them. He, Moses takes them out of Egypt, and he brings them into the wilderness. And because of some stuff that happens, Moses can't be the one who leads them into the promised land. So Joshua is given authority after Moses dies. 
And Joshua is the one who leads them in. And they go through all these things. They go through all these battles. And at the end of all of this, at the end of Joshua's story, we find this speech to all these people of Israel that he's talking to. Joshua is doing what we're doing today. He's looking back. He's looking back at all that has happened. He's looking back at his story. He's looking back and seeing what has happened, and he's learning a lesson. And the first lesson that he learns is this. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. The first lesson as we look back in 2017 is this. God has been faithful. And so Joshua gives all of these examples and he gives these stories to kind of illustrate how God has been faithful. And so we're going to look at three of those stories today. There's more examples in there than those three, but for the sake of time, we want to end before 2018. So for the sake of time, we're only going to look at three. Each of these stories involves a life or death situation. Each of these stories involves enemies. Each of these stories involves God having to step in. And so the first story we want to look at is found in the book of Exodus. And is the crossing of the Red Sea. Like I said, the people of Israel had been in Egypt and they were slaves. For years and years and years. And so God sends Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. And he says, let God's people go. And Pharaoh has his heart hardened. He says, no. And so God sends plague after plague. He sends ten plagues. Horrific plagues. And finally, after the tenth plague, Pharaoh's like, that's enough. Get out of here. Go. Just go. So the people of Israel, they pack all their things together. In fact, the Egyptians gave them all sorts of stuff. So they just get out of here. Just go. And so they're leaving and they're celebrating. And they're, they're actually leaving this land of bondage. And as they're headed to the land that God promised them, they're headed towards the Red Sea. And as they're going over there, Pharaoh's sitting in his palace. And he starts to think to himself. Who's going to wash the dishes? I'm not doing it. Who's, who's going to change the chariot wheels? Who, who's going to paint the fences? He begins to think to himself, and he's like, what have I done? And so he changes his mind, and his heart becomes hard again. And so he calls his soldiers together, and he gathers hundreds of soldiers, and they get in their chariots, and they go and chase after the Israelites. Meanwhile, the Israelites are, are walking towards the Red Sea. They're celebrating. They've been delivered. Things look great. Someone sees something off in the distance. They can't really quite, quite picture what it is. They can't make it out. They begin to hear a sound, and the thing gets bigger and bigger as it comes nearer and nearer, and their hearts fill with dread. Their faces fill with terror. What was once a moment of celebration becomes a moment of panic because everything now seems lost. The Egyptians are coming. And in that moment of panic, God says, keep going forward. 
Keep going forward. And then God does something amazing. In the book of Exodus, chapter 14, it says this. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. God literally takes this this strong wind and he rips the sea in half, pulling it apart, creating dry land for the people of Israel to walk through. You see, when all seemed lost, when all seemed lost, God was faithful. God was faithful. But what about the next story? The next story is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the story of Balaam. And the reason it's my favorite story is because it's crazy. It's just this this awesome story. I mean, there's even a talking donkey in it. It, I mean, how wild is that? Balaam was a prophet. He was a prophet for hire. He had a reputation. Whomever Balaam cursed was cursed. Whomever Balaam blessed was blessed. And so the people of Israel are still in the wilderness. They haven't gotten to the land that God promised. They're wandering in the wilderness. But as they go into the wilderness, they go and they meet different cities and different people. And those meetings result in battles. And the people of Israel are winning those battles. Well, they get to the land of the Moabites. And the king of Moab, Balak, sees them and he wants to destroy them. But he says, I don't think I can do this on my own. And so he sends a message to Balaam. And this is what he says. He says, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. And so he sends this message to Balaam and Balaam's like, "Ah, look, here's the deal. I'd love to help you, but I can only do what God lets me do. I can only say what God lets me say. Balaam's like, look, look, I'm going to name your price. I will pay whatever you want. And Balaam's like, look, you can give me all of the silver in your kingdom. It's not going to make a difference. If God's going to say, no, I can't do anything. Balak keeps persisting. And finally, God says, just go with him. So Balaam goes over to Balak. And so three different times, he asks Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And three different times, Balaam can't curse them because of God. And so he blesses them over and over and over. Finally, at the end of it, Balak's like, just, just, just get out of here. I, I, you're getting no payment from me. Get out of here. In the midst of an attack, in the midst of when enemies were trying to curse the people of Israel, God was faithful. When enemies try to hurt you, God is faithful. God is faithful. Are you getting a theme here so far? 
Are you getting a theme? You see, when all seems lost, God was faithful. When enemies attacked, God was faithful. It seems like when there are difficulties and trials in our life, that's when we see that God is faithful. Let's look at the last one. This is the story of Jericho. Joshua is now in charge. They've crossed the Jordan River. They're now headed into the land that God has promised. And meeting them is this one big obstacle in their way. It's a city. It's the city of Jericho. It has huge walls around it. It's well fortified. You can't penetrate the walls of Jericho. It's like indestructible. And so God goes and tells the people what he wants them to do. He wants them to take the city. So the people go to Joshua and say, okay, what did God say? What are we supposed to do? And Joshua's like, well, let me tell you. Because what God wanted them to do was kind of weird. Let's look at Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Yeah, bless you, everyone. <laughs> you should feel loved. <laughs> what? March around the city? Okay, so basically the attack plan is this. So we're going to do our best imitation of the halftime show at the Penridge Quakertown game, right? Or the Penridge Souderton, you know, one church, two locations. So we're going to do our best to be a marching band. We're going to do our little boy blue impression blowing a trumpet. This is going to win us the battle? This doesn't make sense. But they do it. They do it. And God does what he does. And he tears down the walls of Jericho. And he gives them the city. You see, even when it didn't make sense, God was faithful. Even when life doesn't make sense, God is faithful. God is faithful. Even when it seems like all is lost, God is faithful. Even when enemies attack, God is faithful. Even when things just don't make sense, God is faithful. These are some of the lessons we can tease out from the speech that Joshua is giving in Joshua 24, but it is also some of the lessons we can tease out 
from 2017, right? Some of you know these lessons a little bit too much. Even when everything seems lost, that layoff letter you weren't expecting, that child that's going their own way, Even when enemies attack, that betrayal by the one that you loved that you never thought would hurt you. Those words that were spoken against you that hurt and cut deeply. Even when things don't make sense. That news you heard from the doctor that you weren't expecting and you certainly didn't want to hear. That empty chair at the dinner table that used to be sat in by someone you love dearly that's never going to be sat in that chair again by that person. Yeah, 2017 for some of you, all seems lost. Enemies have attacked and man, it doesn't make sense. And the reason I know this, the reason I know this for some of you is because I've seen your tears. And I've heard your sobs. And I've witnessed your heartache. And I know for some of you, 2017 can't end quick enough. And the one thing I want you to understand more than anything this year before it ends is this. God is faithful. God is faithful. But what does that mean? What does that mean? What does faithful even mean? Merriam-Webster defines faithful as this, steadfast in affection or allegiance, firm in adherence to promises or in the observance of duty, given with strong assurance, true to the facts, to a standard or to an original. God's love will not waver. It will remain steadfast. He keeps his promises. You can be assured of them. And he is true. He will not change. God is faithful. God is faithful. But here's the thing. God is faithful, but we are not. We are not. We are not faithful. It's amazing. When you look at the stories in this speech that Joshua says, it starts off with Abraham's father who worshipped other gods. Even the three stories that I just gave you, the three stories that are great examples of God's faithfulness. Here's the crazy thing. They're also great examples of Israel's faithlessness. If you were to look just a little bit closer, if you were to actually look at the stories, you will see that God is faithful, but the faithlessness of Israel 
shows up in these stories. Let's look back at the story of the Red Sea. Let's look back at as they have just been delivered out of Egypt. All these plagues have happened. All that's going on. They're celebrating and all of a sudden they see something. They see the Egyptian army. Listen to their response. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They were not serving the Egyptians. They were slaves. This was not a job. It was a life of bondage. And in a moment, their faithless nature is exposed. But what about the other story? I mean, surely after Balaam doesn't curse them. I mean, that's a good ending, right? That's a happy ending. I mean, Balaam tries to curse and he blesses them three times over and over again. He blesses them. The very next sentence. The very next sentence. The story of Balaam is over the very next sentence. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate the sacrifice meal and bowed down before those gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Moabites were the enemies trying to curse Israel. God prevents that curse from happening, turns it into a blessing. The Israelites bow down to the gods of their enemies instead of the God who delivered them. The very next moment. The very next moment. Well, what about Jericho? I mean, surely they're now in the land God has promised. I mean, they did their little boy blue impression and the walls came tumbling down. It was great. God gave them the city. What happens then? Right after, right after, the very next moment, Joshua 7 says this, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Each of the examples that I just read of God's faithfulness, when you look closer, is also an example of Israel's faithlessness. God is faithful. We are not faithful. You know, 2017 has been an awesome year. For me personally. For me personally, it's been awesome. There's been so many great things that have happened. The, the starting of the site has impacted me in so many amazing ways. I've seen God showing up time after time after time this year. You know what I've done this year? I've talked behind people's backs. I've lost my temper. I've complained to God over and over again. It's even like the next day after he's shown up and done something, I've complained to him. I've spoken harshly to my coworkers. I have not responded 
in the way that I should to God's faithfulness. But you know what's amazing? God is faithful. We are not faithful. God is still faithful. God is faithful. We are not faithful. God is still faithful. Our faithlessness does not determine God's faithfulness. God is faithful. Look at what's going on in the story. Yes, God is faithful. They see that. Yes, they were faithless. But where are they now? They're eating from crops they did not sow. They're eating from vineyards they did not sow. They're in the land God promised. God is faithful. In order to fully understand God's faithfulness, we have to understand our faithlessness. Because God's faithfulness was expressed ultimately in Jesus. In 1 John, it says this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The ultimate act of God's faithfulness is found in Jesus, the fulfillment of his promises. Jesus, the one who reclaims us to fellowship with God. God is faithful. And what is the response that we need to give? Well, we need to say yes to Jesus. But wait, what, what did God tell the people of Israel to do in Joshua 24? God says, throw away your gods. You see, in order to say yes, we have to say no. In order to say yes, we have to say no. We need to let go of whatever it is we're holding on tighter to than we are holding on to God. A couple of years ago, I shared this story with you before, but it actually really fits in with what we're talking about. My youngest son, Justice, when he was a toddler, loved lollipops. In fact, he still loves lollipops. And this is how he would eat a lollipop. He would take the lollipop and open it with much more skill than me. And he'd put the lollipop in his mouth and walk around like this. He would never take the lollipop out of his mouth. He would never take his hand off the lollipop, it would be tightly held in a tight, firm grip. He would walk around back and forth. That's a good lollipop. But never letting go of the lollipop. One day, my wife and I decided to take the kids out for ice cream. 
Now, Justice actually liked ice cream more than he liked lollipops. But as we were getting the kids into the van, what we noticed was this, that he was only wearing a onesie. He didn't have a shirt on. So we had to put a shirt on him in order to take him out. But there was a problem. He was eating a lollipop. And so the problem is this. Not easy to put on a shirt that way, let me tell you. So I'm telling him, buddy, put the lollipop down. We're going to go get ice cream. Put the lollipop down. Buddy, come on, put the lollipop down. No matter what I said to him, he did not and would not let go of the lollipop or put the lollipop down. What I had in store for him, I knew he liked better than the lollipop. What I had in store for him was much sweeter than the lollipop he was eating. What me, his father, had planned for him was so much greater than the lollipop. But he wouldn't put the lollipop down. Some of you need to put the lollipop down. Whatever it is that you are holding on to tighter than you are holding on to God, let it go. Let it go. Say no in order to say yes. Maybe it's control. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's bitterness or, or, or not forgiving someone because it's safer that way. Maybe it's your comfort. Whatever it is, say no in order to say yes to God. God is faithful. We are not faithful. God is still faithful. Let 2018 be a year that we as a church together say no in order to say yes to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for how faithful you are with us. That even when we are not that even when we fail you time after time after time, it does not affect your love for us. Lord, we ask you that you would allow us to, to have the strength, to have the discipline, to have the perseverance to say no to whatever it is that's preventing us from saying yes to God, to you. Lord, we thank you for this year. And we give you the one coming up. Lord, just let us be able to see how you show up. Change lives this year. We thank you for the gospel. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.